At the MPAA, we're dedicated to making sure every film finds its proper rating. Each rating is determined by parents for parents. This stop, PG-13. But we also give you extra information to help explain the differences between movies that share the same rating. Check the box. Go to filmratings.com to help make the right choice for you and your family. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the film room. Uh, this week's a bit different. Uh, we don't do these too very often. Yeah, we only do like one or two of these a year. This is one we've had to get to. We've needed to get to it, and it's time. Yeah, it's time to take on the MPAA. This is this is long overdue. We, we, we should have been doing this within the first year, honestly, but we had other subjects we wanted to cover. That's okay. We've, we've refined ourselves for it. Yeah. The MPAA, what, what is there to say about them other than that they are probably the most destructive force in modern film? I mean, a brief history of events leading to the MPAA. Back in old Hollywood, there was a thing called the Hollywood Code. Yep, the Hayes Code, as they called it. Yes, and that was, you know, they had a bunch of ridiculous rules, like a couple could not be both in bed at the same time unless one of their one of them had feet touching the floor, all that shit. Like that's why you had stuff like separate beds in movies. Couldn't mock the clergy. Yeah. Now people find creative found creative ways of getting around that mm-hmm. mind. Uh, they would often even interfere with the uh, films in production. Uh, with Casablanca, they told uh, them that, um, "Hey, listen, why don't you not make it clear that Rick and Ilsa didn't sleep together in Paris, and also make it clear that uh, Renault wasn't uh, soliciting sexual favors from women." Uh, let's be abundantly clear. The studio claimed to listen and absolutely did not listen. If you can come away from Casablanca, especially on the latter point, thinking that those two things didn't happen, then you're very naive and you're really not paying attention. Right. Especially, I mean, the, the second point is really explicit and spelled out even. So, yeah. I mean, they found ways to work around it, but I mean, homosexuality could not be presented. Um, interracial relationships could not be presented. Um, films could still be released, but they would be released outside of the code, and they were almost never major studio films. And, of course, foreign films also did not have to follow the Hollywood code, obviously, so foreign films, I think, were considered um, a bit naughtier. Yeah, that that, that became very common. Um, It was basically started, by the way, as a response to um, baseball. Baseball had had its corruption with the uh, Black Sox scandal, so it was thought that this would be a way of keeping film as clean in the same way. Uh, each state had its own censorship boards, and some cities had censorship boards. There's there's a long history on censorship in film. We do not have the time to get into it. I recommend finding books on it. It is a fascinating subject. It is. The long and short of it is a lot of censorship was based on what was what local areas felt were unpleasant um so a lot of even like innocent uh depictions of uh races uh mixing uh like inter like uh integrated schools they were not okay with in some areas and again you 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 had what amounted to um methods of getting around it a, a lot of non-code films would still go through and show a show in theaters and you know, this was the rise of the exploitation circuit. Um, but here's what's important about the code: is it was a, it was mandated within the studios. It was run by the studios. I do believe that that was an effort to, to not have the government do that job. Yes, yes, it was. It was we'll self police so that you don't have to, and they self policed as strongly, if not stronger, than the government would have. So. The code was not a good thing. Um, it just wasn't. I'm, I'm just going to say this. It was very restrictive. It was very conservative in its views. Profanity wasn't allowed. Uh, nudity was strongly banned. What people don't understand is go back and look at some of these pre-code movies, and some of them were quite explicit. Yeah, there was a lot of nudity, a lot of sex in some of the pre-code movies. Things were different. 
Things were different. And then the code set in. When the code was abolished, sadly, one thing that did uh, go away was the code was uh, the uh, code office was responsible for overseeing animal cruelty. So it wasn't until the 80s that uh, they were first overseeing that the American Humane Society could actually go in and sign off on films. When the code went away, that went away too, and it wasn't until the 80s that things got back to snuff. Mm. Not cool. Not cool. But what really kind of started to do it was, of course, the 60s. Do you imagine that? <laughs> yeah. One of the one of the earliest films, I think, to usher in a new way of making movies was um, The Graduate. Uh, the Graduate... Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, um, also by Mike Nichols, really changed things. Because it got the code rating, but that was with that was with content that previously wouldn't have been allowed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that helped do it. Um, the Pawnbroker was a, a big one that helped destroy it. Ultimately, the, the code was done away with, and the decision was made, let's go to a different system. Let's go to a rating system. And so it was that four ratings were, were decided on. G, which is general audiences anybody can go. M, which was a restricted rating. Uh, but it said, you know, just use caution. There may be some content that may not be ideal. And then R, which is um, children under 17 must be allowed in with parents. And then X. X is an interesting rating. X was never actually trademarked by the MPAA. Really? It was never actually trademarked by the MPAA. They didn't want to have a rating that would restrict people from going to their movies. That's interesting. But it was decided, well, we need to have something. So X was put out there, and X would have been no children under 17 allowed without a parent. And that's also where uh, you get triple X. Like, that's yeah. when, that's what porn started to use. It's like, oh yeah, this is so X-rated that, yeah... Yeah, that's what it became. I mean, it became farcical. The X rating yeah. was intended for serious, mature adult films, such as... Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy, the only X-rated movie ever to win Best Picture, although it was later re-rated to an R. And honestly, it's kind of tame next to, what it, next to what came later. It's like very tame next to what it could have been about. I mean, a, a movie about male prostitutes frankly needs a little bit more gay material let's call it what it is yeah it was it was holding back um but you had midnight cowboy um and a clockwork orange two films of course that have stood the test of time and are still cited are still referenced are still important films mm -hmm. you came across a double feature with clockwork orange yes a clockwork orange and deliverance the perfect double feature <laughs> to uh the perfect double feature to lose all faith in the goodness of humanity. Seriously, who scheduled that? I, I cannot imagine sitting through that. Um, <laughs> but the ratings board would evolve. M rapidly became GP. Um, and then eventually PG. But, but the idea was going to be that you would have these three tiers. Everybody, a little bit of caution, and then strong caution. Right. Then, as now, you could get into R-rated movies with your parents. Um, I remember uh, my parents taking me to uh, a couple R-rated movies. Same, uh, same. Wonder Boys and uh, Traffic were the two that I saw before I turned seventeen. Uh, both, both, both fantastic films. Both I cannot recommend enough. Um, oh yeah, one I remember one uh, that we went to as a family was uh, Man on the Moon. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. That's one you should... Uh, my mom took Nathan to see that. I should have gone to that one. I don't know why I didn't. Uh, that's a good one. Man on the Moon is fantastic. Um, there's another one, though, like that. Uh, you know, there, there's... Uh, my mother, uh, her father took her to see The Godfather. <laughs> nice. Hence why she's a big fan today. That's one that we will... That's one that I'm going to go ahead and say. We will be covering uh, that one in a few months um, at yeah, her request. That's the next Patreon request. But anyway... You have, we have this situation here where, for many years, this system worked. And honestly, the ratings board at that time, you saw, looking back in time, because I've been looking at a lot of old newspaper ads, you saw a lot more Gs, you saw a lot more GP was much more common, and everything went fine. Until 1984, 1985. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's where... That's when movies like Temple of Doom and Gremlins came along. Mm-hmm. They forced it. And now is, now is where I'm going to utter a sentence I never thought I would utter. I never thought that I would lay the blame for so much wrong with modern cinema at the feet of this man. Steven Spielberg. The intermediate rating was suggested by Steven Spielberg. This was his idea. So, I kid you not, we have Spielberg to thank for the PG-13. Yeah. You know, I'm on the record as saying I think Spielberg is the greatest director ever, okay? And I'm I'm firm on that. I, I, I believe that. I Spielberg is my pick for the top. Wow, man. You didn't know what was coming, did you? Yeah. Yeah. So the PG-13 was put in place. And what's interesting is those two movies were later ba- went back and went through the ratings board. And... Uh, Gremlins still kept its PG. Yeah. Yeah, Gremlins kept its PG. I don't think it should have, but it did. Yeah, Gremlins 2 has a PG-13, but, you know, that was rated, of course, after PG-13 was invented. And, um, okay, again, GP became, which was for, uh, guidance, uh, I forget what it was. It was strange. PG, parental guidance, became much easier, so... So you then had PG-13 added in 1985, and then you had, the uh, in 1990, it was realized that, okay, the X rating's not working, high-quality films are facing it, there needs to be a true adult rating. And that's where the NC-17 came in. The idea behind the NC-17 was, here is a respectable adult rating that can get movies advertised and get them in theaters. That, that hasn't happened. Hmm, what a concept. Yeah, I don't think I have seen a single NC-17 movie in a theater, not for lack of trying. I think the only one that I'm aware of uh, that I could have gone to see was Ang Lee's Lust Caution. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's be clear. The NC-17 today is often used by very high-tier, highbrow filmmakers but that's because they're the ones that have the clout to go on ahead and get their movies in theaters. Your art houses aren't going to turn down an Ang Lee film. You're not, they're not going to turn down a Bernardo Bertolucci film. Uh, Bertolucci, of course, had success with the X rating with Last Tango in Paris and had very real success with uh, The Dreamers uh, back in 2003, I believe. 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. Um, a film that, by the way, just to prove that there that there isn't always a stigma for working on those films, uh, launched the career of Ava Green, who has gone on to tremendous success, and that proves that the stigma doesn't always exist as long as you're talented enough to get around it, which God knows she is. Um, as long as you're, as long as you can, um, put your name behind it, people will release it. Yeah, because you know that's the problem. Is that, you know, if the NC-17 is on your film, major theater chains will not pick it up. They won't pick it up. Um, the big theater the big theater chains will not touch it. No, because they, they don't want to, you know, I'm sure they have a problem with, you know, kids sneaking into films all the time. And they don't want to be responsible for kids sneaking into NC-17 rated movies. They just don't want to police that hard. Yeah. As, but again, in this position, the NC-17 has become a kiss of death. Uh, the last time it was even tried on a major level was with 1995's Showgirls. Yeah. Which begs the, which makes the point that if you want to do a litmus test, don't do a movie that uh, is widely considered um, not very good. Uh, now, it should be noted, I know people who went to see that one, actually, in theaters. Uh, my mother and her grand- and uh, her mother went to see it. They hated it. They hated it. Uh, and I should note, I know that a number of our listeners are actually big fans of it. I don't know what to make of the film. Um, I it, I honestly, I don't know if I've even seen it, um, if I'm honest. But here's the thing. That one was a litmus test. They did try it, and it just didn't work very well. The film underperformed uh, despite all the intim- intense hype. And it underperformed next to an extraordinarily violent film. It opened against Seven. And it underperformed next to that one. Admittedly, from the hindsight of 20 years, Seven is a classic in the genre, and Showgirls is 
kind of the same, but in a weird way. I again, it's a weird situation. Here's the point. This is the this is the ratings board as we have it now. So we've set up the situation. Let me just. Where do you even start with something that is this powerful and that is this hypocritical? I don't know. Now it should be noted that there have been prominent films. Even again, I want to stress the NC-17 has not been an outright kiss of death. Um, movies that have gone out unrated have done okay. Um, some of them, uh, Requiem for a Dream was rated NC-17 on video release. And I don't know that it's ever really been particularly hurt by that. Um, amazingly, it was rated NC-17, not for the, um, graphic violent depictions of drug abuse, but for a very, a very, very graphic sex scene. Oh yeah, I remember that scene. Let me make it clear, by the way, Requiem for a Dream, damn certain should be rated in C-17. It needs it. It deserves it. Because it's so raw, it's so uncompromising, and that's not that's one case where I'm like, yeah, okay, good. You, you, you actually probably rated that movie the right rating. Now we have to come to it, and I just think the best way to do it is to take it topic by topic by topic, and to just address all the things that they've gotten wrong because they have gotten so much wrong okay the biggest the biggest like overall problem is that they are prudes they are despicable prudes i'm just gonna put that out there like they have ridiculous rules against like uh it's see you know and the worst part about it is it's vague like they do it on a case-by-case basis which which let me just let me just step up and say I think movies should be considered on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, that's a good thing. We're not against but... that. The problem is that they're not really doing that. No. No, I mean, they're biased as fuck. So let's get that out of the way. They're prudes. They are tremendous prudes. Um, and they're prudes about the wrong stuff. Let's be clear about that, too. Yeah, I mean, you can have, you can have like, horrendous violence in a film, and it will still get, like, an R rating. Like, I'm talking gory shit. Mm-hmm. We well, can have it in a PG-13 film, and sometimes. Uh, I think I think the rule there is it has to be, like, bloodless. Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous. Although there are some PG-13s that do, uh, do get away with that, but I think, ironically enough, uh, one of the best films, or one of the best techniques I've ever seen to get around that in a film... Uh, and this is gonna sound weird coming from me, but it's in a Twilight film. Yeah. It's done very creatively. With the vampires turning into stone. Yeah, and they, they shatter, basically, when it's like, that's a really good workaround. I gotta give it to David Slade. That movie is still not very good, but he really does direct the hell out of it. He, he really directs. The, the action in it is really actually good. I... We're, of course, talking about Eclipse. Yeah, Eclipse honestly comes close to being a not-half-bad movie at times. It's still bad, but it's really the... It's easily the best of the five, and it's the one that actually has some scenes I legitimately enjoy. It also has a lot of scenes that are tremendously wrong, but... But you're, you're right, they did have a good workaround there. Um, yeah, let's, let's... Since we're on the violence issue, let's begin by talking about that. The MPAA lets violence slide left and right. It is... Almost impossible for a movie to get an R rate, an NC-17 for violence. It just can't be done. There's okay. There's one example I will give here that is really disgusting. Okay, the film Tony Scott's film True Romance. As of now, on video, it's unrated. Mm. It's simply like the NC-17 cut, but they're calling it unrated. And by the way, this is one of the very few times that the unrated cut really and truly is more adult. Um, almost every time that you see that, it's not real. We'll get to that, I think, a little bit later, though. But let's just, let's hold that one. But yeah, this is the, this is, I think, the only cut that's really widely available. It is. Because uh, it's, it is Tony Scott's true cut. Um, it's definitely the one Tarantino signs off on. Oh yeah, definitely. It's the only it's the only film you'll find uh, Tarantino actually doing a commentary for. Yeah, which is kind of fun. It what I think is awesome is he. It's one of the very few times that one of his scripts has been directed by somebody else. He's thrilled with it. He 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 makes it clear he owns the film completely. So I think that's awesome. And he's and and he was a huge Tony Scott fan. That's the thing. He was a a big Scott fan, and 
Yeah. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Okay, so the story goes, and Tony Scott talks about this on the commentary. Uh, there's a scene in there where Patricia Arquette uh, gets into a situation with uh, James Gandolfini's character. Like, he, he, he finds her, and then, like, they have a chat, and it turns to violence. Like, he starts, he's grilling her on where Christian Slater's character is. So he starts basically beating her, beat, trying to beat it out of her. And that's, and she just kind of laughs at him. And how that scene ends is she gets revenge on him by beating him to death, basically. You know, she's all bloody and she is, like, rather than give up information about her lover, like, she she beats him to death. That's the scene. Now, the MPAA wanted to give that movie an NC-17 rating, not for the right reason, which is because it has a scene of graphic violence against a woman, but because she fights back. This is going to become a recurring theme, by the way, through this uh, cast, so everybody just buckle in for this one. I probably listened to that commentary like 10 years ago, and I'm still steamed about that. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, they they, they, they have tremendous misogyny within the MEAA. We're going to get to that when we discuss sexual content. Yeah, they, again, it is almost impossible for films to earn an NC-17. Proof of this is that The Passion of the Christ went out with an R. Did it? Or did, it was a PG-13, wasn't it? No, it was an R. It was it was a it, was it really it was a hard R. Let's be clear about that. It was a hard R. That movie was an NC seventeen if there ever was one. Let me be clear. That movie was an NC seventeen. Oh yes, it was. We can argue about the merits of it um, all day long, but at the very least, yeah, that movie was an NC seventeen. That movie was a graphically violent piece of cinema that does that deserved a strong rating. But because it was extremely graphic, but because of the uh, Christian content of it, it got away with it. It shouldn't have. Um, now, no. it's, now it's worth noting: Christian content has saved a movie before. The Exorcist was when they submit when uh, William Friedkin submitted his cut. He expected to get uh, an X rating, and one board member stepped up and said no. This movie has redeeming value. This movie is intelligent. This movie has a strong moral compass, which it absolutely does. It's very much a movie about morality, and it's very much a movie with some serious ideas on its mind. And one member of the board stepped up and said, no, this movie deserves an R rating, and Friedkin's cut uh, went out with an R rating. I'll submit the theory that I don't think the movie gets an R rating in that cut if it's released today. No. I don't think there's any way in hell that movie gets an R rating if it's released in that form today. I love The Exorcist. I've talked about it before. I think The Exorcist is a great movie. Yeah, we talked about it in, like, I think, cast number eight. Yeah, we did. There's no way in hell it gets an R rating today. I think it's just a little too graphic uh, for the current version. Again, still a great movie, but yeah, I I don't think it gets. um, Yeah, it takes so much to get an R rating for, for... it takes so much. You can also get a PG-13 and be extremely violent. And that's something that has always bothered me. And to do so, I'm going to have to invoke a movie that I actually absolutely love. Let's be honest, The Dark Knight should not have had a PG-13. Yeah? At all. I can make a very strong case for The Dark Knight not deserving a PG-13. Yes, a lot of its violence was more suggested. We don't actually see the pencil go into the guy's head. Yeah. But it's implied so strongly we might as well have. I know. I Every time I watch that, I think back to the theater where I think, I could swear I saw it go in, but yeah. it's not. But that's but that's the brilliance of it, is it is a movie that makes you think that. The Dark Knight had no business being a PG-13. It's an extremely violent movie. Uh, there is, uh, there's a lot of very violent death in the film, and there's also the fact that in the last act of the movie, one of the main characters is walking around with half of his skin burned off, down to the bone, his eye socket exposed, he, you know, all but down to the skull. They made Two-Face look like an actual burn victim. Yeah. It's a little bit 
I mean, it's a little bit inaccurate, so to speak, um, but it's still, he's a grotesque sight. This is a man that is walking around horrifyingly burnt, and he's shown at length. I mean, this is not a scene that any child should have seen. The Dark Knight was the highest grossing film of the year. I'm sure a lot of children got to see it and didn't need to. Again, I think The Dark Knight is a brilliant film. I I do. I stand by that. But it should not have been a PG-13. Why was it a PG-13? Well, it's simple. It It was Warner Brothers' big film of the year. It was their big summer movie. Of course it got a a PG-13. This, by the way, is the same rating as um, so, so, so many movies that are so much lighter and so much softer. But this movie, yeah, it had no business getting uh, the rating it got. Again, with violence, you do tend to see people can get shot in movies, and it just gets, and it's okay. Gun violence is fine in pg 13 movies and it's just acceptable i'm pretty sure that uh gun violence is probably even fine in pg movies oh yeah that's fine in a number of them we don't even think about it it's not as bad and probably nobody's going to die but i mean i know that uh the brothers bloom had a an interesting that's actually key to the film's uh ending is the quality is the way that blood works um yeah it is the difference between stage blood and real blood uh, interesting tidbit about that i've actually met the director of that i did get to talk to him a bit about it i'm sorry i can't stop bragging about the fact that i got to meet a future star wars director but that's awesome um yeah he he's an awesome dude he brought me a sprite um yeah and he talks about uh the fact that that film has i think two fucks in it and they got a PG-13, and they appealed for that for that second fuck. And it's worth it, because admittedly, the film does use that stuff very well. You know, that's a, that's a good segue, because we could also talk about another area. It's one of the few areas that the MPAA is actually clear on. Language. Mm-hmm. Language. Yeah, they have set rules for language. Uh, you can say fuck in the PG-13 film, but it has to be one, and it cannot be referred to... The actual act of fucking. Uh-huh. Yeah. It has to be used as an expletive. And I'm going to argue that this has actually been one of the more entertaining things uh, <laughs> in cinema because it often forces filmmakers to get uh, creative and clever yeah. with it. I mean, if you're only allowed one usage, um, you use it right. You use it so that it has maximum power. Um, the best uses... Um... Right off the top of my head, X-Men First Class uh, with the Wolverine cameo. Tremendous. And then, of course, the way that it's echoed back in Days of Future Past. Yeah, that's right. Um, Also off the top of my head, the Aviator also had Tremendous. Tremendous use there. I've heard heard people joke uh, that, uh, like, one of the best... I think jokes that should be implemented is if they ever have a Deadpool X-Men team up uh, in a film, which is entirely possible now. They have Deadpool go through the entire movie knowing that it's a PG-13 rating. And I will have to find the post and credit it because it's too good not to be credited. We should, of course, note that the Deadpool movie is already hard confirmed to be R. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the trailer has language in it and lots of violence, and as it should. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. But yeah, Deadpool going through an X-Men movie, knowing that it's a PG-13 and wanting to get the one fuck out, but just choosing it, just choosing his moment. Like, you know, every time he wants to do it, stopping himself and going, uh, I need to choose my moment. And then somebody, and then Wolverine gets the fuck, and then Deadpool throws a hissy fit. I think that's probably one of the best ideas I've heard. Would be a way to go about it. That's, I mean, there are there are things that can be done here, and I don't feel like, I don't know, I I'm of the opinion that yeah, we could do, I mean, we could do better playing with this. Um, again, I look at I, I look at the current state of the ratings. You know, I I do enjoy it. Of course, Anchorman has. A wonderful usage of it. Um, I mean, again, typically uh, the visit had a good use of it. It did, yeah. 
I forgot about that. Because it's 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 often cathartic. It's often a cathartic line. Um, I I read a script the other day where it was obvious that the guy that the writer was going for a uh, PG thirteen, and if he does go ahead and pull this off this way, that one's going to have it. It should be stressed though that this isn't a hard rule. That there can be PG thirteen. You can appeal for it. You can you can appeal for it, and you can get it. Um. Uh, if a film is determined to have value, and that's going to be something that I'm going to get to at the end of the cast, then it's decided that okay, you can you can get away with more. Um, as good as it gets has multiple uh, usages. Uh, it has at least two, I think. And that's a PG-13. Yes, it is. Uh, it also has some brief nudity. It's also a stellar film. It's 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 one of my favorites. Oh, another one. Yeah, and um. Another point on that is uh, Titanic is PG-13 and it has breasts. Uh-huh. It has a lot, a very long uh, sequence, too. It is. And there's even a sex scene in it. Like, it's not explicit in any way, shape, or form, but uh, it's pretty steamy, like, literally. Honestly, the, the nude scene is honestly one of my favorite... It's probably my favorite scene in the film, not for that reason, but because of how well it's written, how well it's acted... It's oh, well, the, yeah, the, how well it's presented. The scene is less sexy and more funny, and in a weird way that doubles back and makes it a sexier scene. Because because the tension is so real, it's so palpable and it's playful, it's flirty. It's oh. Yeah, I've really come around hard on Titanic. Let me state that. I I really have come around to having a great admiration for the film uh, as time has gone by. I need to do a rewatch. It's been a while. I, I saw it twice in the 3D re-release, um, thanks to Amanda. Knowing James Cameron, that that would have been awesome. I'm sad I missed that. If you're doing a film of some merit, you can get away with a little bit more. Um, the Social Network had it. Uh, the Social Network also has some very bad dubbing at times to mute that. If you, You'll go back and you'll notice that there are some places where it's pretty badly dubbed. Uh, you you you'll notice it. It's it's there. So, uh, but uh, but the Social Network is an excellent film. But let's talk while we're talking about language about when they can go too far because you know of course if you get to a certain number, you have to get an R rating. This is why the King's Speech is famously uh, an R rated movie. Because well, the guy stutters, and part of that is part of. The plot is like getting over it by peppering his stuttering with lots of fucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this one scene, and it's one scene in the movie. It's just a quick scene. Otherwise, if you take that one scene out, the movie's a PG. It's not even a PG-13. It's a PG. Vulgar but fluent. You don't stammer when you swear. No, bugger off! Is that the best you can do? Shit. Shit, 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 shit. Shit, 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 yes, shit! Defecation flows trippingly from the tongue. Because I'm angry! Do you know the F word? Fornication? Oh, Bertie. Fuck. Fuck! 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 Fucking fuck! Fuck! Fucking bugger! 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 Buggity! Buggity! Fuck! Fuck! Ass! Yes! Balls! Balls! Fucking shit! You see? Not a hesitation. Willy! Willy! Shit and fuck and tits. Yeah, it's a very tame film. It's a movie about two men, both of whom are established as being avowed family men. It's who are established as being in loving marriages. It is as clean as they come. It's a wonderful film, by the way. I know that a lot of people were turned off by the Oscar hype. Don't watch it for that reason. Don't watch it because it won Best Picture. Watch it be, watch it because it's just a wonderful film. I, I love this movie. And if you're someone with a disability like myself, it's a it really it it catches fire for that. Um, I love the King's Speech. I I passionately love the King's Speech. Um, and I know that's that's probably going to make me very uncool on film Twitter, but you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I, this is one that I fuck film Twitter. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, sometimes guys, I love you to death, but sometimes you're gonna you're gonna have to let me have this one because this is a movie that I really do love. And of course. We're not talking about our film friends who are on no, Twitter no, because no, we no. do have quite a few. No, no you no. guys are fine. You guys are fine. You guys are not the problem. No, but I just I am going to say that this is a movie that I I own the script I own the script to it. I I don't mind saying that it's 
And again, I just, it is, it's very much a film for the family. And so it shouldn't have been rated R. This is a movie that really had no business being rated R. If the MPAA had truly gone on a case-by-case basis, they would have looked at this movie, realized that it was perfectly tame, realized it was perfectly innocent, and let it slide. They would have let it go. They didn't do that. They should have let him. They should have let it go. I, I would have. I, seriously, this movie should have been a PG-13. Should have been a PG-13 for that scene. Here's one of their most controversial cases of all time, though. Let's talk about Billy Elliot for a second. Oh, yeah. This is a movie where the characters talk like real kids. And so the language is at times a bit coarse in the movie. Which, face it, is how kids talk. I know, I was one. The MPAA gave this movie an R rating. The MPAA, here's how badly the MPAA screwed up on this. Scholastic released a novelization of the movie. Do I make myself clear that even Scholastic was like, this is bullshit? Ugh, yeah. Billy Elliot is a kid's film. It should have been a PG-13. It is a film that if I had kids, I would show them without hesitation. I wouldn't worry about, because I wouldn't worry about the language. I would worry about the message that they would get from it. And it is a beautiful message. It is a strong film. Um, Don't you mean when you have kids? Yeah, you're right. I, force yeah. of habit, okay? <laughs> I'm still getting know, used to all this. I'm still getting used to all this. Um, when, <laughs> I I, when, when Cub Shin shows up, that's, this is one that I wouldn't hesitate to show. Because it's a good film. And it has a beautiful message. If the MPAA truly would step back and look at these movies on a case-by-case basis, they would have realized that the language would be less important than the message. Billy Elliot should have been a PG-13. So, language, and and here's the thing. Y'all may notice that I conspicuously avoid one certain word on this cast. There's a reason for it. It's just a stylistic choice on my part. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to language. I grew up in a household where language was treated pretty casually. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and I'm, you know... I mean, that's just how it is. Because at the end of the day, language is less damaging, in my opinion, than violence. Language is much less damaging than violence. Kids are going to curse. That's going to happen. Let's maybe not normalize the whole um, violence thing. And by, yeah, exactly. And by God, you know, yeah, we could get into, like, the numerous uh, studies that have shown that, hey, language is a great release valve. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah, we um, could. And that, you know, people who work together or people who, in a work setting, use language, you know, are more amicable towards each other. But, you know, you know, whatever. People killing each other is, is, uh... That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's PG-worthy. You know, and, and here's the thing. Lest you believe that this doesn't have some impact on people, let me tell you about something that happened when I went to see the movie MacGruber. Um, when I went to see it, that film is extremely violent, extremely vulgar, and there was a father in there with his kid who, boy, that had no business existing. I mean, this is not a movie I would have ever taken a kid to see. And the father took the kid out during a sex scene. Shall we transition to that topic of discussion? Yes. Yeah. Okay, MPAA, you guys have got some serious issues with sex, and it's time to really... Ooh, uh, this is this is this one has been saved to this moment for a reason, so that we can really lay them out on this. Um, the MPAA has serious issues with sex. Um, it used to be that you could have an occasional bare breast shot in a PG rated thirteen rated movie. There was a time back when it was just the PG rating that you could have n- nudity. You could have, you can still get the occasional butt shot, but it has to be extremely non sexual. Uh, at one time in the Village People movie, you had uh, you had male genitalia. I did not know there was a Village People movie. Oh, go look it up. It's 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 uh, it's as good as you would expect. Oh, that's funny. Uh huh. So there was there was male genitalia in that one. So you know things haven't always been that that prudish. Is my point. Of late, bare breast shots seem to get the movies P, um, automatic uh, R ratings. Certainly, Full Frontal has always been. Always, no question about it. If you do see nudity in a PG-13 movie, it's maybe a, uh, it's maybe a bear, a bear ass, and it's usually a guy's bear ass. Yeah, the, the MPAA is extremely prudish. Sex scenes, 
sex scenes can be weird because sometimes you'll see them, sometimes you won't. But increasingly in the last 20 years, it's been to the point where you just don't see them. Which is funny because you can have movies that are about nothing but sex and they get PG-13s. The Austin Powers series is about nothing but sex. Let's be clear. Those movies have no business being PG-13 movies. And let me be clear. I saw two, two of the three in theaters. I, I've seen all three. Weirdly enough, the, the third one is actually probably the one I wish I had seen in theaters, actually. I'm actually kind of fond of the third one. I actually think the third one's a lot of fun. Yeah, it doesn't have Fat Bastard in it, does it? It does, but it's only briefly. Not good. Worst character. Yeah, he's he's terrible. He's despicable. Um, The second one is extremely graphic, extremely vulgar. But it, but by God, it got to slide by with the PG-13 for for some reason. I don't know why. Let me point out that I actually... Here's how much the, the local theater screwed up. They put the trailer for that on A Bug's Life. Really? Great. There, you can have movies that are about nothing but guys who are only thinking about that stuff. But as long as you don't drop uh, an ill-timed F-bomb or show any skin, no big deal. I, I'm, re- I'm going through Parks and Rec again. And I just passed the episode where Jerry paints a mural for City Hall. And it's uh, he accidentally paints Leslie as a centaur. Yeah, and they have a whole thing about it. And uh, they're on the talk show. Uh, they have like a porn star on with them. And Leslie pulls out the quote of, uh, I can't define pornography, but I know it when I see it. Mm-hmm. Brandy, how would you define pornography? For me, it's when the penis goes in. Yes. And then yes. just silence after that. Yes. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I love I love that show so much. Here's how I feel about... Uh, let, let, let's just get this out there. Seriously, the MPAA has some serious, sick views on sex, and they're starting to be... And they're starting to infect the general public. That's my problem with it. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole bigger issue that we won't get into all of. But yeah, I mean, there are some very unhealthy attitudes about sex that our society holds. Like, it's one of the most common things ever. Like, it's not as damaging as, you know, just the subject is not as damaging as, you know, we would make it out to be. And people kind of suffer for that. They do. From lack of general sex education. It even... it even impacts movies. Their bizarre views on sex even threaten to impact movies where there are healthy attitudes. Um, well, they especially threaten movies where there are healthy attitudes. Uh, the movie Juno famously ran up against this, and I think I noted this uh, way back when on uh, that on our first cast on Hollywood's issues with women. That um, the title character. They threatened the movie with an R rating because she described her first sexual experience as wonderful. Right. Thankfully, that stayed in the film, as it should have. Um, but, come on. I mean, th- this that is something that you will see across the board, which is, if a man is receiving pleasure, it gets, it gets fine with an R rating. If a woman is receiving pleasure and is shown feeling it, there's a real strong threat of an NC-17. Um, the infamous incident with the film The Cooler. Which, by the way, can I just can I just pause to say that movie is absolute steaming garbage. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get... I liked it. I'm not going to earn a lot of fans, <laughs> but I really did not like that movie. I really did not like that movie. And you know why I didn't like it? Because it was corny as all hell. It, I just... It was too corny for me. It was. It was. I think I think that's exactly what I liked about it. <laughs> it's why I didn't like it. So I but yes, let, yeah. let's go into this incident because it is a pretty bad one. It is, yeah. Uh, the specific scene, I think the thing they had uh issue with, like they okay, the thing they had issue with and the thing that they cited are completely two different things. Uh, the thing they had issue with was he goes down on her. Mhm. Their uh, reasoning was, oh, well, it shows pubic hair. You can't do that. It's like, no, bullshit. <laughs> she is, ob- you know, he's he's doing that, and she's obviously enjoying it a lot. So yeah. that's your issue. Yeah, because trust me, I've got some movies I could pull out. Uh, uh, I've got plenty of examples I could cite. Um, if, if that's really your issue, then I want to know why Boogie Nights got through with an R rating. 
Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. By the way, just to be clear, that's one that I'm not going to say we won't be covering at some point soon. Oh, yeah, that's it's one, a great film. That, that's, that's, a, that's one of my, that's really one of my favorite films. I know I've said that a couple times on this cast, but we're actually discussing films that are. Um, yeah. It's yeah, a masterfully done film. It is film. a masterfully done film. But, I mean, seriously. So that was, they did wind up compromising and cutting a bit of the pubic hair shot and getting it in the film. But, I mean, ultimately, but, yeah, you see this across the board. So many movies. Too many even for us to count. Too many for us to even list. We've It's amazing. We've made it 54 minutes into the cast and not discussed uh, this film is not yet rated. But, um, which, I'm going to say this. I have mixed opinions about but that's only because I think I knew too much about the ratings board going in. If you don't know anything about it, watch it. I think you're going to learn something from it if you don't know anything else. That movie um, frequently talks about um, the fact that, you know, the double standard. Um, also, homosexual sex scenes always get stronger ratings, even if it's the same acts that in heterosexual sex would have been fine. Right. It's always done that way. It's always seems to go that way. Um and I really hate that. Seriously, their attitudes towards sex are so twisted. Here's a great example, by the way, of a movie that got absolutely screwed by it. And again, I'm going to have to pull out the F word, but Lost in Translation has a single scene of a guy looking at a, a porn manga. And it has a single scene in a uh, sex club where it's all off in the distance and there's uh, a Peaches song, the one you're thinking of, playing in the background. You take those scenes out, the movie strains to get a PG-13. Well, there's also the transparent underwear shot uh, that opens the film. You take those shots out, it's a PG-13. The funny thing about that scene, like the, the one where the guy's reading a porn manga, is the whole point of that little of that little moment is that he's reading that on a subway, mm-hmm. like on or on the bus? You know, he's reading it in public, and you know the whole point of that film is they're in a completely strange, different culture. That's uh, that's probably at least in mainstream the most different from our own. Yeah, uh, and they have such lax attitude towards sex. Yeah. I mean. To where a guy could get away with reading a porn manga on in a public setting like that, he still probably wouldn't be looked on very well. But I mean, he but it wouldn't no. be that it wouldn't be as surreal as it is here. Um, exactly, that movie doesn't even have a single f bomb in it. So come on, that movie should have been a PG thirteen, and really it would have been a very soft PG thirteen. Um, again, Lost in Translation is such a great film. I I don't think I need to say too much to sell it. Um, but, but I mean, that's just what you see is these, these weird, again, taken in context, those scenes don't merit an R rating. You know, the, the movie just doesn't merit it. You could have cut those scenes and they were, and really the movie could have kept going. The movie really didn't need them. But alas. First thing that comes to mind is Watchmen, but I don't think that was a big MPAA battle. No, Watchmen, Watchmen got the rating it deserved, I thought. One thing, I, one thing I will say that they have been laxing up on is they've been better about uh, penis shots in movies. They've gotten a lot more relaxed on it. That's something I saw a nice uh, thing on. I will. I do want to talk about two things on that point. Dennis Leary uh, did a it talked about that a little bit on uh, genital equality in movies. Like they always, uh, they always show like full like HBO is really infamous for, like, showing a bunch of female nudity and, like, never showing, uh, you know, full frontal male nudity. And it's like, it's like, you can throw a penis in there. Also, another thing I will say is, uh, supposedly Crimson Peak is actually pretty, um, sex positive and actually does have a good amount of, uh, male nudity. It does. It does. In regards to... Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, you see his you see his ass. You see his ass. I have I have seen Crimson Peak. Uh I don't know that though that sex positive is exactly the word I would use to describe that movie. It, it's at least more balanced because there's no real female nudity, so to speak. Um there's some, but it's like prosthetic and it's uh not very it's not at all appealing, let me tell you that. 
Um, right. It's not sexual. And let me tell you, there are there are two sex scenes in the film. One of them is positive. The other is not. And that's all that I'm going to say. Um, yeah. Oh, boy. I, I dug Crimson Peak for the record. I really, really had a great time at that movie. So, But again, that's my thoughts on that. Um, but yeah... I mean, I am. There is. We're starting to see a little bit more equality, but it's got. It's still got to get better. I mean, yeah, it does. I would love to see you know more people um, showing their penis in movies. I mean, I think I think Hollow Man had had a good point on that. Um, for as terrible as that movie is, that's atrocious. Yes, and um, Watchmen too. Although. I'm not entirely sure that was completely necessary. Yeah, but it was. It was in the source material. It was in the source material. That's fair. I will give it that. Yeah, they made it considerably bigger than the source material. Yes, they did, but I won't. I won't give it that. <laughs> MPA is fucked up about sex. They have some serious issues with sex. Um, and that kind of br- brings me to something that I want to point out, which is that the MPAA will almost always go lighter on studio films than they not not even almost they will always go lighter than on studio films you know again going back to his films i rated there is a thing where matt stone uh talks about their experiences with working with the mpaa on both orgasmo and the south park movie and i've seen orgasmo since and you know that's a very uh content wise it's a very sex heavy film but really there's other than like the occasional breast shot, they don't really show much. No, it, it's it, it's so goofy and silly that it's impossible to take very seriously. No, like there's nothing. There is nothing. It's a, in a movie about sex. There is nothing sexy in the movie. Yeah, you know, there's not. There's nothing that you know remotely could get you aroused in any way, shape, or form. The story goes that they gave they slammed them with NC seventeen, not really explaining why. Like, not explaining what specifically earned them the NC-17. Which the film still holds to this day, by the way. Yeah, it does. And they did the South Park movie and got hit with the NC-17, but they worked with them on what they can change to get an R rating. They gave them a second-by-second list of what to cut. They did. Which, by the way, that film, kudos for just working that system hard. Yeah. The specific... Because there are in, there are things, I'm not sure if it's a hundred percent hard confirmed, but there are things in the movie that they like took it, made the scene worse, put it back in, and got an R rating. That happens. I mean, sometimes that will happen. Uh, the uh, when uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg uh, submitted "This Is the End," they they put in a lot of decoy shots at the um, advice of Sony. Yeah. Yeah. Sony told them to do this. Yeah, Sony told them put in a lot of scenes that are extremely vile that you know you're going to cut so that you can get the stuff you really want. Mm-hmm. And they got everything. They got everything on the first go. They didn't even have to appeal or change anything. Uh they got everything. So that's why that movie is a little bit more tone turned up than it's supposed to be. And Right. I dug that one. That's that's a good that's one that we're going to be coming back to that one uh, in January, probably. We're going not. We're going to be discussing it as part of a larger cast, but we're going to come back to that one. That's a that's a good one. I do recommend it. Um, but you do have that sometimes where people will get around that. But again, it's more likely that you're going to pull that off if you're a major studio. And that's for a simple reason: the MPAA is the lobbying wing of the major studios. The MPAA, their entire existence, in addition to the ratings board is to lobby, they're the lobby for the film industry. So, of course, they represent the big, they're going to be nicer to the big studios. And you can get away with more from the big studios. Notice that pretty much every film that we've said went out with an NC-17 was either from, say, a boutique wing of a studio. Uh, Fox Searchlight has been really good about releasing NC-17s because they did that with um, The Dreamers and uh, Shame. So, yeah, you will have occasional... But it's through the boutique wings, it's through um, the indie studios, and by but by and large, you know, i.e., people who have nothing to lose because they're not going to be going to the major, they're not going to be going to the major cineplexes. But 
you know, they they have a limited appeals process, it should be stressed. You can make an appeal, but you're not allowed to do very much. You're just not. And seriously, they are so biased in favor of the mainstream. I mentioned that it was surprising that The Passion of the Christ got the rating that it got. Well, of course it did. It was directed by a mainstream filmmaker. Directed by a movie star. They are they are so very biased. And there's, I mean, they're especially biased, you know, for... There's no denying that they, they, have, they have every bias under the sun. Every bad bias that they could have, they have. And this is getting to a point where it's getting problematic because, again, this is impacting what we get to see. Now, it should be noted that one of the biggest factors in what got released and what got didn't get released is no longer there. Blockbuster video used to also be extremely important in terms of what got released, what didn't. Uh, Blockbuster would not stock NC-17 films, and that's how the unrated cut came to be a thing. Yeah, exactly. Let's be clear. 99% of the unrated cuts that you see on video are garbage. All unrated means is that they didn't take it before the uh, ratings board. I mean, we've mentioned some limited exceptions here. Natural Born Killers. Um, oh, fuck that movie. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I have nothing good to say about so I have nothing. Yeah. We've already established I have nothing good to say about Oliver Stone. Uh, and True Romance both actually have legitimate unrated cuts that really and truly are the before we went to the director's board cuts. But by and large... It's usually a marketing tactic. If you see a PG-13 rated movie with a uh, an unrated cut, don't kid yourself. These are also never the director's actual vision. Let's be clear about that. They're never the ideal visions of this studio. They're they're just a marketing tactic. Tactic. That's all they are. Uh, some films that actually uh, make fun of the unrated cut. Um, I think you mentioned Sex Drive does that. Yeah, yeah, they do it hard. I struggle to think of what else, but you know, there there are some films that subvert that. Yeah, I just the whole. I mean, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're getting something more. You might, and also you're getting at most a minute more of footage, and a lot of times it's deleted footage that wasn't good enough for the actual film. I don't think I've ever seen an unrated cut that really and truly improved the film. Director's cuts are another thing altogether, and we could get into that for another cast, but they're never any, they're never much, they're never any better. They're almost always worse. I'll be honest, I love Adam McKay's films to death. I wish the theatrical cuts were what were widely available for his movies. Talladega Nights is weakened by the unrated cut. Yeah, you can, okay, I haven't seen the first Anchorman all the way through. And that's because uh, my friend tried to show it to me, and I kept groaning because he showed me the unrated cut, and it is so painfully obvious what is in there that should not be. Yeah, the scenes that are in there stick out like a sore thumb. I mean, I wish movies would stop releasing these. The and I, I don't know. It, you tend to see it on comedies. You don't see it on action movies, uh, unless they're like you know. At, occasional cases uh you know live free or die hard got one 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 thing that i do want to mention is in a way like you know we we lamented the block the you know the blockbuster closing and the like general departure of video stores and still sad about that but specifically in the blockbuster versus netflix thing uh battle I am so glad that Netflix won. Yeah, because Netflix has very open content. Uh, Netflix is fine with content. I mean, they don't stock, yeah. they don't have hardcore pornography on there, but their original shows are often very content heavy. Master of None, uh, which I do recommend, Aziz and Zari. Yeah, it's 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 largely um, about a lot of stuff that Aziz has talked about in his stand-up. Sounds good. Um, I need to hit it. Yeah. And it's great. It has some very important issues in there, but yeah, the first, the very first scene is a sex scene in that, and it's, um, that's not graphic, but it's pretty um, there. It's there, yeah. I mean, it's uh, at least in the dialogue, it is pretty explicit. Well, I mean, that's fine. I mean, I yeah, and so I mean, I'm glad that they are. You know, I'm glad that they won. I am too. I am too because. But I mean, again, this doesn't, 
you know, getting back to the MPAA, they they just this corruption that they show in favor of the major studios really bothers me because it it serves to crowd out. And again, they are also so bad about homosexual content. They really and truly will give movies much harder ratings than they deserve just for having gay characters. Guys, it's 2015. That doesn't fly anymore. It's just, it's, we're at a point for which it's time for the MPAA to grow up. And I'm really not okay with the way that they handle homosexual content. I, it really does bother me because it's normal. I mean, this is just something that's out there. And I wish, I think that that contributes to the ingrained homophobia that we have sometimes in our culture. You know, and it's starting to get better as time does go by. They are starting to get a little bit better on this, but still, I, I wish, I wish it wasn't this way. Um, again, I just, I have such issues with these people and I wish they would be, I wish they would grow up and join the 21st century and they're not doing that. Let's also address briefly their attitudes towards piracy. Yar. Hey, MPAA, may, I understand that you guys are the lobbying group for the studios, but those whole ads that you're doing trying to tell people not to pirate, they're not working. Yeah, I think one of the best, I might have mentioned this when we talked about, when we talked with Lexi, but, um, I think one of the best things making fun of that whole campaign is uh, from the IT crowd. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that's just the best. And, of course, there are lots of little things around the internet. It's a meme. Yeah. You, know, you wouldn't you wouldn't download a pizza. Yeah, stuff, just little meaningless things like that. It's like, yeah, that's about how I feel about it. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. That's how I feel, too. Is It's just, it's ridiculous. And, and... The irony is they only put them on uh, DVDs and Blu-rays that you have to buy to see it. Mm -hmm. And if you get the pirated version, then hey, that's magically gone. It is. So, good job. Your campaign is 100% ineffectual. At At the end of the day, copyright laws are wildly outdated, and we could do an entire cast on that. Oh, I really hope that the Trans-Pacific Partnership does not go through because that will just make them even more outdated. Yeah. It's time to grow up. I mean, that's just it. And I think that that's ultimately the central thesis that I have is that the MPAA, their values are twisted, their values are weird, and they're not present with the... They're not equivalent with the present day. They need to go. <laughs> they need to like, go. They need to go or... Just completely rewrite their outlook. They need to rewrite their outlook. I like the idea of a ratings board, but I feel like they've got to start considering... Again, they've got to start considering context. They've got to start considering case by case, and they're not doing that. So, I'm outraged with the MPAA. I'm not a fan. I'm not going to be a fan. But, I don't know. I don't know what to say about the MPAA. I'm just not a fan. And I think it's time for a change. So, we, you know, again, I do recommend people look up the documentary. Um, this film is not yet rated. It's one of those things. I'm biased against it because I already knew so much of that information going in. I think if you don't know this information, you'll learn a lot from it. And I do recommend it for that. Um, it's time, again, there's nothing more to say. It's time to grow up. It's time to change. Yeah, it's time to, it's time to enter the new millennium. What is next for us? December 1st will be... Ooh, standing ovation. We've been promising this one uh, for one of my friends for a long time. So we're going to cover a movie from the director of Mac and Me. And we're going to suffer for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All we know about this movie is that it's a... Uh, is that it's a movie about... Uh, it's a musical of some sort. It's a dance movie. It's a singing movie. It's everything we hate, and we're going to cover it. Ugh. We know well, literally nothing about it. I love musicals, but I have a feeling that I'm probably going to hate this. This is not going to be a good one. We, are, we have been warned that it's a bad one, and so we're walking in blind to this one. We are. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yes, uh, you can find us on our blog at thefilmroom.podbean.com you can download the podbean app uh it goes up on there as soon as it goes up on the blog it's a very direct way to take us mobile we are on itunes that usually goes up on wednesday the day after we release on podbean if that's your speed 
you can find us on our side blog, thefilmroom.probbing.com. We are so sorry we haven't updated Nostalgia yet, but... we may Nostalgia may not be back to form, I think, until... It may not be back to form until 2016. Let's just call it what it is. Nostalgia is on hold for a little bit, but uh, it will be back up mm-hmm. um, in 2016. We'll be back. We'll be running. Yeah. But, you know, that's not to say we won't publish some other things on yeah. the Film Room Lobby. I mean, that's what it's there for. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. We have a lot coming, is our point. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, but yeah, the Film Room Lobby. WordPress.com. And you can find us on our Twitters. We are at Film Room Cast. Austin is at Untitled User. I am at Permanent Man POD. And there's still the secret Twitter flowing out there um, for all you eagle eyed listeners. That makes that sentence makes sense, I promise. And you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the film room. Like our page there. We have a constant trickle of likes on that. Thank you all. I don't know if they are all strictly listeners, but we love the support. Yeah. So, and we love that people do like us on there. So, yeah, you can email us at filmroompodcast at gmail.com. And of course, yes, the Patreon. We have a new supporter, Ms. Amanda Shin. Thank you so much, Amanda. She has put us closer to our goal of website. Yes. We are just $5 a month away from our website goal. Yep. And we can't even describe how badly we want. We want the website. We want the website. We really do. Uh, So thank you so much, Amanda. Also, thank you, of course. uh, Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Sean from Totally. And thank you, Daisy. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. It means so much. It does. And we are happy. We are happy to be consistently uh, weekly now. Yep, we are. And we, we're we going to try and keep y'all up to date with some good stuff. So, Oh yeah, we have a Patreon exclusive uh, coming very soon. Yep. So, till next time. Yeah, and fight the good fight, people. Yep. Bye-bye. Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying Only the echoes of my mind People stop and stare I can't see their faces Only the shadows of their eyes Excuse me, I'm Eric Lynch. Charles Xavier. Go fuck yourself. <laughs>